You're now listening to the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast. Welcome to episode 157 of the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast, brought to you by Drip Drop. Drip Drop RS was invented to treat dehydration in the most challenging circumstances, and dehydration has a profound effect on your health, mood, and performance. Used by top hospitals across the country, Drip Drop RS is safe enough for everyday use and powerful enough to help battle dehydration in the most challenging circumstances. Used by athletes, firefighters, military members, and the garage guys and everyone else that we encounter at this moment forward. Um, yeah, you should use it too right now. And you can. So go to dripdrop.com, use promo code garageguys20 at checkout. You'll save 20% on your order. That's dripdrop.com at drinkdripdrop on all social media platforms. Go get the drip. And speaking of the drip, tomorrow, gonna be. Going live on Periscope at some point, and I'm going to be addressing all the people that have DM'd me back that retweeted the drip drop contest. I'm mailing out the drip, guys. It's time to get the drip. Are you ready? That's where you scream right now. You should be screaming. Are you going to write me a personal note? Um, maybe. Will you act like it. you? Will you act like you're doing it live? Um, just be like, hey, I have to do a special shout out to somebody. I'm not going to name it, and then just send me a text message. If I go live on Periscope, like maybe I'll do like fake writing. Like like okay. Jimmy Fallon does thank you cards. Like, thank you. And then like go straight into it. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's really funny. I enjoy you those. You should do that. You should do that and say shout okay. out Jimmy Fallon. Shout out Jimmy Fallon. We'll send Jimmy Fallon some drip drop. We'll have his people get with our people. We'll Sounds do like a plan. All right. That works. But yeah, this is a special episode, guys. Of course, we're going to be covering the iRace at Talladega, the eNASCAR Pro Invitational Series. We're going to be talking about some uh, some wild, wild moves in uh, the re- for the remainder of the NFL draft, uh, some stuff that happened in the, the later rounds. It was wild, day two and day three. Insane. Just insane. Can't wait to get into that discussion. And then at the end, as always, it's Sunday night. No, we don't have Last Dance coverage, but we do have Westworld, episode seven. It was a good one. It was insane. It was insanely wild. So we're going to be discussing that. But let's go ahead and we're going to take the audience back right now. We're going to take them back to a, to a hot summer day. Um, sweaty, sweaty boy. This is, this is before drip drop. I was wearing all black, had the number three shirt on. We were, I was watching the, uh, the Geico 500 at Talladega. It was a glorious day. I was getting footage. It was the first race I ever attended doing media for, for Roto Baller. I was over the moon. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was just all over the place. I was making a, a YouTube video. I was interviewing fans and it was wild. It was nuts. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I'll never forget the first time I did it. And on Sunday, I'm in the pits and, uh, and I see these guys just standing there and wouldn't have never known it, but now we know. But that guy that was there was going to be the other host of the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports podcast, part owner of Garage Guys Fantasy Sports now. 
Drew, we met on that glorious day at the most glorious racetrack in all the land. And it's look at us now. It's too bad we're not there celebrating uh, this year because that, no. that would be ideal, but, uh, you know, pandemics, right? I was super upset about this because this one was going to be big, man. I was, I was, I've been looking forward to this Talladega now for months, yeah. uh, even back in the 2019, just, just knowing that, like, this is, like, this is the one-year anniversary where me and Drew met each other at the race and hit it off, and then from there – the 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 relationship the friendship the 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 business partnership it all began at that one race that magical place talladega and you were hung over as fuck yeah i was about to say like <laughs> if, 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 if you could draw up my worst case scenario for first impressions this would be it so i was on two hours sleep and the two nights prior i was on four hours sleep so about eight hours sleep and three nights at uh floribama if, if any of our listeners have been to the Floribama bar uh, for for mullet toss weekend. I was there on a bachelor party and um, left at six in the morning to get to Talladega for my free DraftKings tickets. And I had a, a really good friend that was a trooper. Uh, shout out to Austin that made the trip with me. But point being, we made it there. Um, it was really weird ordering dinner food at McDonald's at eight in the morning and uh, then <laughs> and then getting there and um, meeting you on one hour sleep. So I was. It actually says something. I'm actually proud of myself that I was able to to put off a a good first impression despite I felt like I was just not able to talk. I felt like I was a robot, but I think I caught your attention with the free, with the free uh, DraftKings tickets. And that was what we, we kind of hit it off talking about that. And then the, the Jersey, those were yeah. the two things that we hit it off with. So that's what I was going to say. If it was, if it wasn't for Austin, man, like I never, I never probably would have really talked to you guys because I remember you guys were walking by me or we were, we were up at the stage when they were doing driver introductions and I remember seeing Austin wearing the Kyler Murray jersey. And I was like, I just like walked up behind him and like, and like, you know how I am now, but like, I'll just run up on people that I have no idea. Like my parents never taught me stranger danger, obviously. And <laughs> I just run up and I'm like, yo, how the fuck you get that jersey so fast? And he was like, oh, I ordered this months ago. And I was like, what? And then that's where I have my jersey addiction now. That's how I have that because of, because of good old Austin. And He'll then I met you. you. He will. He will, dude. It's bad. It's bad. He, but, but it's a good habit. I, I'm a collector now of wearables. I'm a collector of wearables. And He, um, he literally bought it two months in advance because he was that certain of it. Um, and then, oh, he's got the Burrow one now, too. He sent me that like three or four months ago. He sent me his Burrow jersey. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's already – he's well prepared. Bro. He probably had that thing on. They should have had him like, like – if like they should have had him on the virtual thing for the draft. Other I really should the, have. Other than the guy with the big penis that kept popping up on everyone's <laughs> boxes. That shit was hilarious. But, but yeah, like, AP, man, shout out to him. And then, yeah, of course, as soon as you started talking about, like, you, like, out of the blue, you were just like, I was like, yeah, I was like, so y'all y'all do any work or y'all, you know, how, because, like, I was, like, genuinely curious, like, where did people get these pit passes from? Because, like, I and had never you. accessed it. That and you were pitching the um, little coupons for official goat gear, and you were pitching ah. uh, Garage Guys Fantasy Sports, and that's when, when you said something about fantasy sports, that's when I was like, yeah, I'm actually here on DraftKings Dime, and that's where we kind of started the uh, NASCAR fantasy sports and fantasy football talk. It did. It sucked me in, man, and I was just like, this is incredible. Like, like this dude's like DraftKings sent this guy here. Like, this is good shit. But yeah, yeah, I was always, I'm always doing that, man. I'd, and you were a great tour. That's what really, honestly, if it wasn't for you like offering to help us out and show us around and let us basically go behind the pit crews with you, 
like that is, is honestly why we ended up exchanging phone numbers. So it's, it's kind of funny how it happened. And I think we have to give the, the props and the credits to, to Austin's Jersey. Honestly, like that, that's where it all started. Kyler Murray Jersey, baby. That's, that was the conversation starter, but yeah, I loved, uh, I love doing that, man. Like I said, I meet some down to earth people, dude. Like, and I feel like I, I'm, I'm, I've always been that way. And I know I always will be that way, dude. Cause it's just like, I don't know, like I, you can meet a lot of people that like get access to stuff like that and they'll be like real closed off and I like big shots and shit, but I'm just like, no, nah, hell no. Nah. Look, look, I got this. Let me show y'all. Like, let's yep. do this. Let's do this. Let's do this shit together. So we all had a great time, but yeah. Dude, what did you that, think? Did you think, could you tell I was dead tired or did, did I put it off that I was fine? No, dude. I actually, I hadn't, I would have never suspected it unless you, unless you told me that y'all were coming from Molotovs. Like I had no idea. And like, cause you were pretty alert. You guys were alert and y'all were there. I mean, after a while, I could kind of tell, like, you know, like your, your eyes, like, kind of started rolling in the back of your head a little bit, and your arms started twitching, like, got real hot. You know, I'm just kidding. It didn't do that. Probably did that. You probably, <laughs> you probably were like, what? this guy is not drinking, and he acts like he's hungover, so. Oh, dude, everybody was drinking. Well, I, I, of course, I wasn't drinking at the time, and I didn't drink that entire trip. So, I mean, it was just like, for me, I was like, I was like why are you drinking beer? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, but no it was all good yeah so we all got to we all got to, to sober tour and hang out so but you guys were sweating it all out anyway so same thing basically i guess maybe so but I just anyway, wish we were there again this year but and gosh damn yeah, i mean let's talk about our momentum to this year i mean going into this race we were starting our our video series we were uh, just took on the bigger roles at roto baller and uh picked up our saw some of our best months in uh, podcast listens so everything was going great and this is just a small hurdle uh for us but super pumped to get back to a racetrack yeah all within a year man all within a year just putting the heads together and fucking making shit happen it's incredible and of course we appreciate you guys that are listening to this right now because without you guys we would have nobody to to tell our wild well mostly my wild stupid shit you're right. I keep my wild stories a little bit closer to chest than you, but, uh, <laughs> but I will say, man, I don't, I've had a lot of people tell me that they don't know how I did mullet toss and Talladega in the same weekend. That's one of the wildest things I've ever done in the weekend. So uh, yeah, I have my fair share of stories. That's what I was going to say. Like you, you got that wild boy energy from time to time. I know I said most of the time I'm just like saying wild shit and people are just like, what? So, so you keep, you keep the composure on the top, but I know, but I know we all know you got wild boy in you. <laughs> you've seen it firsthand yeah we've seen it we've seen it. oh yeah yeah big time fun stuff fun times man i don't know i love it i love love the direction love everything there i just wish that uh like you said i wish we were back so we gotta agree first race we can go back to when they when they open it up are we gonna are we gonna go to that or are we gonna wait for dega it's like a part of me wants to wait for dega just to, like let some stuff roll off but then another part of me is just like we got it i'm itching to get back to a track both solid options, but I think we'll just have to wait and see what the what the schedules allow for us. And no matter what happens, we're gonna bring the energy. Always, let's do it to it, Lars. Okay, so speaking of Talladega, going ahead briefly, let's just recap this race. Uh, had a had a had a pretty shit day at Dega, and things were off too, man. They said they were gonna invert the field, the the, the top ten. They ended up not inverting it, which was ridiculous. Um, and then, it's like the lottery. You said it. You called it best when you texted me and said it's like the lottery for this E-Race. Yeah. yeah. This Talladega lottery stuff, a lot of people, um, you know, Alex Bowman won the race, which is pretty cool, I guess. He's, he's gotten better at iRacing now. And it's pretty fitting, too, because he almost won the April race last year against Chase Elliott. Um, so cool to see him get a, uh, some form of a Talladega win. And, uh, 
and yeah, it, with the the lineups and stuff, man. Like I made a good bit of lineups, and it just Denny Hamlin. Well, should, sorry, Denny Hamlin's daughter wrecked the day. <laughs> That's a fucking hilarious story. You saw those videos, right? I did. I still blame Ham, Hamlin though. Yeah, gotta so, have his so, house in order. So okay, so the house has got to be in order. Yeah, it's just like like his little girl Taylor was just so pissed. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Denny Hamlin was racing. He was doing decent. And then his daughter came in and asked if they can go ride go-karts, and he shooed her away. So then she decided to turn the TV off on him. And then she goes, uh-oh, and runs away. There was no uh-oh there, little Taylor. You knew exactly what you were doing. She pressed it hard. She did. For sure. I saw that happen. So that was hilarious. Um, one of the highlights of the race. And then, of course, Jeff Gordon racing in this race was everything. That dude was so happy. I don't know if you caught any of the videos after or anybody saw them, but he was so giddy in that chair. Cause like when they first went to him in the beginning of the race, he's like, Oh man, Oh man. Like <laughs> it was just like, he's like, finally I'm back. I'm back in the car. And then he was one of the guys that ended up getting like absolutely wrecked. Randy, the plumber had a hilarious video. He put out whenever Jeff Gordon wrecked his, the eye racing car got stuck in the fence. And Randy had to rant about it, so that was pretty wild. But they, at least they had the one reset, so that helped for what it was worth. But, yeah, the DFS day itself, um, I want to say, like, uh, Corey LaJoy was one of the, the top dogs, Ryan Priest, Alex Bowman. And then if you had William Byron, Timmy Hill, and uh, I don't know if you could fit all of them in a lineup, but Timmy Hill, Parker Klegerman, and, um, and William Byron were like the – they were in the winning lineup. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Timmy Hill, Timmy Hill. Um, I'm not sure if on DraftKings he might've been, but, um, it's just different scoring, but I know a lot of people that played, uh, Brendan Poole and mm -hmm. Corey LaJoy. If you stack those two, you're a crazy person and you, uh, won all the money, which is sometimes it, sometimes it works out that way. It's wild. And it is Talladega too, by the Dega. way. So. It's Dega, baby. It got wild. It, wasn't, it wasn't the real Dega because you know why? We never see that many people that start that up front, finish that well. So it was a You're little right. bit different. <laughs> You're right, though. Um, so, yeah, that. And then also they didn't update the Sim characters to wear jorts, beer box hats, and vomit from dehydration. So I was upset about that. But, you know, hey, wait, what are you going to do? It's, it's fake. <laughs> At the end of the day, so who cares? You called for that, didn't you? Tweet that. I did. I tweeted that out, and they never responded. I racing hates me. You were proud of that tweet, obviously, right? I was, yes, because I thought I that it was great. I don't care. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter to me because I know I know what would have been fun. I know what people would have liked. People would have been like, "What the fuck is going on right here?" But yeah, they couldn't allow that on national television. So whatever. Um, and yeah, Clint Boyer, best I race of his life, and then blows an engine in the lead. Hilarious. Second week in a row, he's blown his engine. There's got to be some kind of um, reason. He does that, that a lot in real life, too. Yeah. He needs, to, he needs to chill out. He's doing something that he missed some iRacing 101 stuff where it says, like, if your you know, dash is saying this, you're overheating. You know what I mean? Exactly. He, I don't know. Read, read your gauges, man. I think, I think someone loud capped him. Check uh -huh. your gauges. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he's thinking he's playing NASCAR 2000 on N64, bro. Like, he's, he's like, I don't need to check gauges. The computer's got it on easy mode. We're yeah, he, he and Jeff Gordon were just two kids playing video games. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you saw the meme that was actually – it was on Garage Guy's account. We had uh, – where he was like – Clint was like pissed and like Jeff's laughing. Like, that was so fitting about like when your friend unplugs your controller. 
and you right. come back in, you're like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was hilarious. So I thought that was funny as fuck. And then, yeah, there's just that, there was a lot of good laughs, and it, it, this was a, definitely a very entertaining race. But the DFS stuff, yeah, you had to be a crazy boy or a crazy girl to win this one. Um, but yeah, we'll go to Dover next week. Uh, we're gonna try to try to do some more research on it. Should be a little bit more. Uh, I'll, I'll say it probably should be a little more um, easier to read at Dover just because it's the shorter track and it's not as crazy as Dega is. And we, uh, we should see some of those other top dogs kind of, everything should kind of realign this week unless we do the inversion again. So that never happened. So maybe it's going to be a lottery every week now. Who knows? Just bring us the real racing, please. Please. Yes. Do that now. Cannot wait. Charlotte, North Carolina declared NASCAR uh, essential, which is amazing. Really? Yes. It's declared essential shops are opening back up. Um, we will have a race at Charlotte. I know that much. So here we go. I'm ready. Game time, baby. Game time, baby. Um, <laughs> um, other than iRacing, the other big stories from the weekend, obviously the, the bigger stories, biggest story of the weekend, and the NFL draft continued. That was some crazy moves. And um, I, I don't know. We, we could start with a number of things, but there's a lot to discuss here. And um, – we're definitely going to use the rest uh, of this uh, this time before we get into Westworld to, uh, to talk about these crazier things. I, I'll say this. Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being taken in the first round by the Chiefs was a huge surprise. We caught that live. But the, bigger, the biggest surprises of all time happened at this draft. And then aside from the draft, do have to go ahead and just – I want to get this out of the way now. Jameis Winston is officially a saint. Thoughts? I want to hear your thoughts first. I love this. I, I absolutely it. love this. And let me tell it. you why I love it. And I want to hear why you hate it. But let me tell you why I love this. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Bruce Arians. Okay? This is like the movie Wild Hogs. This is like, uh, this is like the, the Eagles reunion tour. Okay, the the fucking Bucks let go of Jameis Winston, who just had his vision corrected, had a vision problem through a lot of interceptions and a lot of passes. Okay, but just had his vision corrected, and is young. He's still young, still young quarterback, very young quarterback, and he got let go for a man that's going to be there for one to two years, probably tops, one to two years tops. And if you disagree with that, you're you're just I know you're gonna be biased, but try to be unbiased. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Are you are you saying that they should not have let Jameis Winston go for Tom Brady? Are they should have they should have brought Tom Brady. But I don't understand why they couldn't have kept Winston. They probably could have, but I mean I would I would have. What if you you gotta understand, like you're looking at this from a neutral like imagine being a Bucks fan. You've watched him throw thirty picks a year for four years. What do you what do you think is going to improve? Like, where where has he led them? He has. Uh, he he had he had vision surgery. There's hope. Little little silver lining of hope. But it doesn't matter. You're giving me that fake answer. That's not a fake answer. Like I'm serious. You're, you're saying like, that there's a vision surgery. He's gonna. If his vision, like like he said that, like oh a big reason God. for his interceptions. Look, I'm giving the man the benefit of the doubt. Okay. If he really did have, have a one vision of the best problem, wide receiver duos, and he's not been that he's not been that good. I don't care what his vision problem has been. Well, you, what if we, it was super you serious? Bat, you bash Jameis a hundred times, a million Math. times, yes. 
but I don't know Jameis with corrected vision. Okay. I don't know. I don't know corrected vision, Jameis. I can't tell if you're joking or not. I'm not joking. Okay. And this might be a sad moment. And this might be, I might be the most hypocritical person on the man right now. And I probably am. And I'll admit that. I'm going to own that. But I am saying that literally this is not a bad move for the Saints. And I think that it's a great move, an incredible move. Obviously, the NFC South is going to be the powerhouse. We just signed Taysom to a two-year deal. So, obviously, that goes ahead and favors Taysom to be the starter. We get that. But the beauty of it is, is, is okay, Jameis, if all Jameis's problems were that he had bad vision and couldn't see well, and now that's corrected and he can see well, then we're going to have him learning underneath Drew Brees this year. He's going to be learning from one of the best to ever do it. Taysom Hill's there with his legs. Who's to say that he can't be great and that the Bucks have to go and just basically when the reunion tour is done and they decide they don't want to, they don't want to play a band no more. They all go home. The Bucks are left in rebuild limbo. It's beautiful. It's almost like, I don't know. It's poetic. It's poetic to me in a weird way. Who's to say that the guy after Brady won't be better than 30 interceptions? Who's to say? That's speculation. But what I am saying is that I think that – I think that that when you're looking at youth and – I like some pieces about this for the Saints. I'll go into my pros and cons if you'll let me. Are, go. Are you good? I'm ready to hear it, yes. From a teammate – all right, from a financial and athletic performance, I think it's a good signing. You got him cheap. If Breeze gets hurt, you have a capable starter. I think that's that's the positive. The parts I don't like about it is he's basically going to be filling this Teddy Bridgewater role, and Jameis is not who I think is a good person or a good teammate, and Bridgewater was loved for those reasons. You're going to read storylines that Jameis has embraced this opportunity and is learning so much. You're going to read all that stuff. It's going to come out. and He's you know, it's just a great guy, great locker room guy, but he's not um, – I just don't believe in – I just don't believe in Jameis Winston. And I, I do think, though, in terms of what you're paying to get him and the quality of player you're getting for a backup is strong. It's just I don't, I don't really think that's your – and what's the plan? If, you're, if your future is Taysom Hill, which it, I can't tell what the play is. Is this just a, is this a security blanket for Breeze in case he's injured? If so, I think it's a good move. If it's Jameis Winston's our future, then not a big fan of that. So I have, I have some solid positives there. It's not all negative. Are you a bigger fan of Taysom Hill as our future or James Winston as our future? Neither. Neither. See, I, I personally think that I, I and I know that we, we gotta move on from the subject, but I personally think that I would probably rather have Jameis for the amount of just total games like starting and just the uh, you know, he he has shown glimpses of good as much as glimpses of bad. But you can't deny that he had the craziest percentages known to man last year. And if his vision really was the problem and he can recreate the shit that he did when he wasn't throwing interceptions, that's a good quarterback. Do you remember as Saints fans, and the Saints fan base is so critical of players and expect so much from the team. Do you not remember this year when people were getting pissed at Drew Brees for one interception or two underthrows? Or even but that's but but Jameis Winston's not Drew Brees. I know, but people are gonna people were saying Teddy Bridgewater should start. People were saying play Taysom, play the hot hand. I remember you saying that at one point. Play the hot hand. Don't 
Yeah. Yeah, I will say there was a point where Taysom in the playoffs for sure. So Taysom if that, that. <laughs> so if that, that if that is going to frustrate Saints fans that Breeze to the point that Breeze needs to sit down, can you imagine what Jameis Winston throwing four picks would do? Just 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 think about some of these Bucks games and think about you as a fan of your team and witnessing four interceptions. Just just try to relate to that a little bit. So our fans are worse than Bucks fans. I could probably see that. I'm saying the Saints fans have a very short fuse, just like LSU fans. It's you they literally that. have <laughs> top, possibly, if not a top, if not a top five, a top seven QB of all time, and they wanted him at times. The, the fan base was split down the middle on if he should be playing or not. Yeah, our entire fan base is more hung up on the fact that we should have a Super Bowl, and then we got cheated, and they can't let yes. shit go, and that's right. it. And that's all it is. So until we win another Super Bowl, it, it will never be right. And our fan base will be cursed. So at this point, I'm yeah. willing to, to see what happens. I'm not going after him like in fantasy for any reason because we mm. know he's not starting. Mm. But what I'm saying is, is that I'm willing to give Jameis a chance, and I think that this was the best option because we both know that we didn't want to see a league without Jameis Winston. Can you, can you honestly say that? I agree that you have and you now have a top backup QB in the league. Yes. Did you not did, but could you imagine a league with no E to dub? I could imagine a league without that. I'd prefer a league without that. You hate Jameis. Ugh. I actually like him. Um I just don't think that like the, the plan shouldn't be future based. It should just be here's Drew Brees' insurance. And if that's what it is, then great move. Yeah, I think the only reason that they gave Taysom that extension was to like make him at ease with the Jameis thing, really? I think so. Yeah, I I, I could honestly see Jameis. I thought they had basically taking over the starting role and then just saying, "Okay, Taysom, we're just going to keep doing your thing until he gets so fed up that he's like, whatever." But that's why they gave him the two years. I don't know. They I thought they had to extend him, or else he is that not true? I'm not 100 percent on it. I haven't okay. checked the details, but okay. Either way it goes, any way it goes. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that – I'm not – it's just hard. It's like with the Patriots and Tom Brady. I just – I'm not really ready to see Drew go. I want Drew to be Drew again, but I know that he's got to go at some point. You know what I mean? Right. So, it's tough. It's tough, man. It is what it is. But we're there now. We're finally there. The word's out. It is what it is, and we'll have a lot more to say about that. <laughs> but <laughs> we haven't even we haven't even gotten into the draft and we're like yeah I'm ago. already kind of like dragged down now because like I'm just like fuck but all right getting back up this 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 will make me happy I promise Jalen Hurts was taken by the Philadelphia Eagles and I laughed for hours hours Carson Wentz truthers can suck a nut you hate Carson Wentz not a fan of Carson Wentz and I don't think anybody in Philadelphia should be a fan of Carson Wentz. You did give him props, though, for that run at the end of last year with no receivers. But other than that, me and you were very uh, – I remember a lot of our first podcast together were talking about pre-draft uh, MVP odds and how we were not believers in Carson Wentz, and we didn't think those those odds were accurate. So, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he's that that great. Um, but, to me, this is – And that, that's based all on playoffs, by the way. <laughs> like, not being yeah. able – like, the injuries. He gets hurt. Yeah, he gets hurt too much. and Hurt boy. I mean, do we want to go ahead and get ahead of the storyline? Like we don't, we don't think this is a QB competition. We just think this is insurance, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean, this is to me and to you both. We, we, me and Drew have previously discussed this, guys. I, we honestly both can agree that we're probably going to see something similar to like what what we do down here in New Orleans with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. Yeah, I think we'll see him definitely used um, certain pieces of the offense. So everybody wants a Lamar. That's what's <laughs> happened now. Everyone wants a Lamar. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be, like, immediate impact. But I'm also not knocking the fact that at some point – what's going to happen is this, okay? You say Saints fans are bad. I think we're just cursed not right now. But Philadelphia fans are bad. They're, those are some evil fuckers, okay? <laughs> like, I've seen some of the most outlandish shit. And, and if it's outlandish to me, that's bad. Okay, because I'm I, like a lot of things I can tolerate, but some of the shit they do, I can't. The moment he gets out there on that field and just goes ape shit, they're going to be like, get that hurt motherfucker out of here. Jalen Hurts, yeah. Like, it's going to be over. Like, they're just going to, they're non loyal. They're just like, fly, Eagles, fly. Duh. Like, that's it. They like, probably still it. think Nick Foles is coming back. I don't know. Yeah, they think Nick Foles is still on their team. That's where they just – oh, he's just over here in Chicago. It's, he's not far away, guys. Let's go get a sub. We'll be good. You got the cheesesteak? Yeah. All right, you got the Jalen Hurts sauce? Yeah. They're already making Jalen Hurts sauce for cheesesteaks. Jesus Christ. That's happening. I don't know right where you get your info. Yeah, it's intel. I got a couple people in Philly. They'll just call me and be like, fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, and that's about all they say. But I've learned to understand their language. So – yeah, I think it's good to see Jalen go, though, because, like, there was a couple of quarterbacks that went really late that I thought should have went earlier. There was a quarterback that I thought should have went to the Saints, uh, but it wasn't really based off of, uh, you know, any me, like, digging it around in stats, but just off of film and some things that I saw from him, which is Jake Frum. But now he'll be a backup to uh, Mr. Josh Allen, and that's that. It's it. It's it, Josh Allen. You got some um, of our some of our running backs written down there that we want to talk I about. I do. So biggest thing, favorite thing we always say when we're talking about Green Bay is beat it, Lafleur. Beat it, Lafleur. It's it's. I think that we've got Green Bay Packers Nation behind that now. They should be. Yeah. Is he is he the shot caller though? Who cares? <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I don't care if I'm he's assuming the, he is. the shots. I, I I would. I don't know. I mean, honestly, if you want to get real, everybody that's a shareholder of the Packers should be a shot caller. They should do a vote for every person that they take. They should call all their shareholders, all however fucking hundreds of thousands of people that there are out there in the world that own like 0.1% of a share. They should call all of them and be like, hey, should we do this? And then they would probably see better decisions made. Um, just let Wild. everyone coach. Yeah, let everyone be the coach of the Packers. Wild. Share. Wild, wild, wild that this was a stat receiver class and not a single receiver was drafted by the Patriots or the Packers. That is worrying for <laughs> for both. Uh, for both, yes. But more it, – it's just – it's worse for Green Bay because if you're Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones right now, you're probably like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Yeah, why didn't you draft either – I'd rather you invest in defense or the O-line than get your your backup at this age. I mean, both of them are – Rodgers has passed his, you know, on the back half of his career. But Aaron Jones, I mean, you have two good backs there already. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, Jamal's okay, but Aaron Jones should be the long well, guy. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones is the guy, but I'm saying you have a solid backup. Like, Aaron Jones is the workhorse. You have a backup. Why do you need to go – you, ha- you have a solid one-two punch. The running game was not – He problem. wants three. He wants three. He wants, And so that's why they got A.J. Dillon now. And then, of course, they got uh, Mr. Love. Mr. Jordan Love is the quarterback. So it's I hope like, he sets it on fire, by the way. I hope he's great after all this. Yeah, he I, look, this is how it's going to play out. Like, either Matt LaFleur is going to be an absolute genius – or he is going to be the biggest fraud known to man. But one thing is clear right now to me, and I feel like a lot of people would agree with me that are Packers fans and just fans of the league in general. Obviously, Matt LaFleur does not like the team the way it is now and wants it in his own image. And that image does not uh, have enough room for Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers into the future. Yep. So he doesn't, he doesn't want him there. He doesn't like him. That's it. Or either he loves Aaron Jones, but he won't, He thinks that we're going to put three running backs back there and make fucking Medusa, and then I want our quarterback to run too. Basically, he's just like he watched the he watched the Ravens play all last season. He says, "Yeah, I want that." That's what he's trying to do. I don't even know if Jordan loves that kind of quarterback. That lets you know how much research I've I've been doing into this. So yeah. it's an odd thing, you know. He had a great first season, and the pressure was kind of off now, or at least a little bit off, and now it's right back on. So. Oh, it's going to be weird, 100%. And, uh, but it's still, just beat it with Florida. Get the fuck out of Green Bay. You're, that, he is the perfect, uh, perfect uh, example of how to not let your players trust you. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is another one. The death of Marlon Mack and DeAndre Swift went to the Lions. The death of Carrion Johnson. Is it too soon for them to die? It is too soon. Don't, I wouldn't call any of those guys dead. They've, they got some – I mean, those are some solid players that you named. Not really convinced on Carryon Johnson, but the other guys, you know, they're not dead. It's just this this brings up our favorite topic, Chase, which is running back by committee, which sucks. So <laughs> Yeah, I personally so so you're fully on board. You think Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack are gonna be a one two punch? Yeah, Marlon Mack has been great uh for I mean, he's not like a top five running back, but he's been very good for his his production's been there. Do we and but but that's what I'm saying. It just it kills fantasy values. Carry on. I mean, we didn't really get to see a whole lot. We saw glimpses before he got hurt. But DeAndre Swift, though, I like that DeAndre Swift guy. I have I have watched him play. I and like I all think, these running backs. I like yeah, all these guys. Yeah, they're good, but it's just like, what are we doing now? So I think that this brings up um, what the inevitable is: is that we're finally sliding back into a wide receiver fantasy football league. This is a wide receivers world and it always has been. And for some reason we got so hooked up on these running backs for so long. And it's like the, the, the order has come back and it's like, you guys forgot about us for a few years, but we're still here. And now we're back to wide receiver time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's – I mean, depending on how your scoring is, there's a lot of factors. But just in general, you know, it's at – fantasy's at a point, to me, that I'm more comfortable. Let's take away your Saquon's and Christian McCaffrey's, your, your workhorses. But after those tier one running backs, who do you feel more comfortable with, a, a top receiver that's going to be out there every play 
or do you want to risk it with a, a guy that's got three running backs competing for for touches? Oh, I think absolutely. I'll, absolutely. I'll take the wide receiver. receiver. Yep. Yeah, it has to be. And we had one of the biggest classes. So this is definitely going to be the beginning of like the, uh, the, the, the boom. The wide receiver boom is back. So we have a lot of talent that's going to be up and coming. I know a lot of y'all are getting ready for your dynasty drafts. I'm currently in one right now. I've been doing okay. So I'm I'll be missing to, picks, huh? Yeah, well, no, I'm not. I've, I've let them know that I have things to do. I'll get, get to it <laughs> when I can. But um, I've already made a few picks. So, I mean, I'm, t- I'm pretty pleased. I had a lot of picks, though. Yeah, a lot of picks because I, I tanked last season. But it's going to all be worth it. We're going we're gonna to come out stronger. I know that much. Um, another running back that went was J.K. Dobbins to the Ravens. So, that team now is the human treadmill. It's just constantly going. It's on full speed. There, there's no slowing that down. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, backfield, and Lamar Jackson, by the way. And, and who's the guy they drafted last year? The running back? Uh, remember? Running back with the – Yeah, I had a rookie last year. I remember I called him – I said he was going to be a breakout player. I guess he's done. <laughs> yeah, I guess he didn't break out too much because I, I don't even know his name off the top of my head. But J.K. Dobbins should not die. J.K. No. Dobbins should be fine. This is, this is my uh, – this is the, the Harry Potter guy, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobby. Hashtag J.K. Rollins Dobby. He was named after the book. Harry Potter. Is he, uh, he going to be – Dobbin Stone. <laughs> I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, so I can't even act like I'm entertained right now. Sorry. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, okay. Yeah, he's, a, he's an Edgar Allan Poe guy now. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's all on board over there. I don't know. That team's scary as fuck. They're going to win a lot. I don't think you can overload that system with John Harbaugh anymore. I don't know what, I'm, what I think about the Ravens this year, man. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ready to say yet. Fast. That's the only no. thing you can think. I can say fast with confidence. Fast. Very fast. Race car. The Baltimore NASCARs. Antonio Brown is what I can say. It's going to ruin Ooh, it all. You think he's coming? I don't know. I don't know. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. I, I was kind of getting used to a world without him. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, – Nick- <laughs> He's uh, at least suspended from the podcast for another two months. We might bring him back in two months. And if he comes back, obviously we have no choice, right? Eh, might have more of a choice to just to ban him. Oh, we're going to see. Um, Cam Akers was another one. It wasn't a name that was that, uh, that popular to me, though. I mean, just because him being in the Rams' backfield. We got Daryl Henderson back there. It just seems like the Rams are sluggish. Yeah, he's going to be hyped a little bit just because Gurley's gone and the running back position's technically up for grabs. But I'm not really expecting too much from from Cam Akers. But he is a freak athlete at a Florida State that was heavily coveted by colleges and didn't really pan out too much at Florida State. But still, obviously, he's drafted in the second round here. So um, I'm pretty sure me and you think committees come in there with Daryl Henderson. Got to be. Yep gotta be they're gonna like i said it's just for me they're gonna try to get the keep the passing game going i think that them letting go of Gurley was a sign that mcveigh wants to do more of that and um and i mean rightly so he came from freaking john gruden's house as beta piss boy so you know can't, can't forget that so yeah he wants to be like daddy john and uh and make sure that he, t- he takes care of that shit that's the only thing i can say about it i'm uh I'm, I'm avoiding him. I think that you're avoiding him as well, just because we don't I, – I, just me personally, I mean, I don't know much about the guy. I probably should know a lot more about him. But I do know that I just don't really want much of that Rams backfield at all now. 
kind of gone from it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they do have a great run scheme there, zone scheme, but that's not really something I want to touch. Yep, I feel you on it. Um, there was a lot more players picked. Congratulations to all the, the guys that had their lives change and are now an NFL team. One more thing we can discuss about it before we get into Westworld, though. Um, the, and everyone was talking about this, too, and it was so apparent. Everybody that was drafted had some kind of tragic story. Did that annoy you after a while? So I actually did not watch a lot of the live feed. I was getting all my information through uh, through, notification, oh, through notifications. So I can't – I'm going to let you carry the It's topic. a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing you did. And I should have done that too. I shouldn't have watched. But, dude, literally everybody that was drafted, mom was on drugs, was premature, um, dad died, grandpa died, mom died, sister died, brother died. Um, and they just kept kept talking. Got about hit in the head by a mailbox at age seven, like just random shit. Like it's just tragedy, feeding tragedy. And now they're here. Yeah, that's all it was. Can we get? Some I like a few of those. I like a few of those, but every time I can't you have hit that. by the mailbox. You like that one? No, I like like the the emotional swings of a of a draft. But if every single story is a negative one or a sad one, then that's pretty depressing. I'm glad I didn't watch. Yeah, it, it kind of put me in a weird spot. I was just like, what is this? It's supposed to be happy. Football's back. It's like, nope. And and then you got Roger Goodell cranking it down. Oh, I've been standing <laughs> up too long. Got to sit in my easy chair. That's what he literally called it. And he just like sits back, spreads his legs, and he just like gets stuck in the chair. And he's just like glued to it, just holding cards, throwing them. Like, bring me another one. He's just there the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> Oof. And Bud Light commercializing the booze, they ruined a good thing. They ruined a good thing this year. It's over. It's not fun to boo the commissioner anymore. It'll be back, trust me. But it was all fun and games, and it's over now. And we have an entire, hopefully, an entire season of football coming up. Hopefully, we'll be able to have all that done the way it's supposed to be done, if this Rona will ever escape our planet, aggravating Rona, ready for it to go. Uh, keeping the fingers crossed, keeping the faith. But, yeah, we'll be having a lot more football coverage coming up along with some other big updates as well. And, uh, yeah, football season's right around the corner. It's just coming back. All right, so it's now time to talk about probably one of the most exciting episodes of the World West that I think that I've watched all season. Episode 7, Past Pawn. Initial Can, we thoughts shed a tear? Can we shed a tear that this is the second to last week we'll be recapping Westworld? I'm trying not to think about it because I don't want it to be over at all. This, this season has been – we need more episodes. This is, this is crazy. We need, like, we need like at least eight more episodes. Like, go ahead and just do the next season now. Just say, forget about it. Like, we're going to film it on a Zoom at all of y'all's house, and then we'll just piece it together the best we can. I would watch that. I'd watch it. As long as it gives us new information, I think we'd watch it. Right. So. I, want, I want a Westworld with zero special effects, and everyone's just acting on a Zoom chat for one hour. But you love the tech part of the show, so you wouldn't be having – you wouldn't that, get to That was that. the biggest sense of sarcasm I've ever had in my life. I would watch it for sure. I'm saying that like I need the tech. So, but we don't necessarily need special effects, but 
still, I, I, I don't think I could watch a whole season of that. Maybe like an episode where like, where like everyone's in quarantine. So they all have to like communicate and like get mad at each other over a zoom chat. Yeah. And then like whoever gets off first, like loses the battle. And that's <laughs> the end of the season. <laughs> I got, I got my money on Simon. I think he could, I think he could handle it. Simon. Yeah. Yeah. Simon, Simon. can handle it. Yeah. Kind of a new character introduction. Kind of. Yeah. That was, that was the, I think that was one of the most important pieces. Like th- this episode was the most important episode and we definitely have to just acknowledge that, you know, even though we had that kind of dip last week and I mean, I, I thought the episode was, was okay, but I think we both kind of agreed that it wasn't like the best that it could have been. It was just a very straightforward episode. So now we kind of get back into the action and that's what, that was a big sigh of relief. Like as soon as the show started, we like went straight into that shit. I think that'd be a good starting point for us to like go ahead and start breaking this thing down. What were your thoughts when you see Clementine just chilling? A Clementine is hot and B we kind of ruled out her ever coming back when we realized that she wasn't one of the marbles, one of Dolores's marbles that she had used to recruit her allies or her forces. So that was my first two thoughts. A she's hot and B didn't expect to see her. Okay, first thing I got to say is this, and then we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. You think Clementine's hot? I'm into it. Bro, yeah, we have two different types. We have I'm totally two different types. That's like, that's like me, like, you know, obviously, I think we both can agree we think Dolores is hot. Yeah, but she's not my type. She's not your type? See, nope. I, like, I like them assertive ones. I'm, I'm more of a hail. I'm more of a hail than Dolores. You like, you like the hail type, the, very, the, the eloquent independent, like the oh, graceful yeah. independent? I dig with that. I like them assertive ones that got a wild eye. You Clementine's I mean? pretty assertive. I don't know. I don't know. She just, she, she doesn't have the she look, has a, man. She has a very weird look to her, but I think because of her um, prior. It's unique. It's because of her prior employment or her role, I think is what, is what does it for me. She's like them dirty, filthy ones. <laughs> there you go. We got to the root of it now. <laughs> no, but yeah. What are you saying like, about me? I'm a happy new man. I, hey, man, I don't know. You're saying it about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but but nothing wrong with it but we definitely got to be like serious about it though on this situation because yeah like remember like when we were just all speculating that like clementine was going to be one of Dolores' marbles and then she turned out not to be but i think it's a lot more fitting that she's with Maeve because that was like her homie you know what i mean yeah that was like her mom slash sister in the um in westworld so pretty cool to see her back and pretty cool to that was a great opening scene i almost wish we could have gotten more of that and then it kind of cut away from from that story the hail story um dropped stopped it. dropped it until next episode yeah and then also you can't forget like you know we thought it was just clementine and bam in comes home girl with the samurai like slices old dude all around like like mandalorus mandalorian we'll call him <laughs> and just slices all around and just kills him off so he's done and she is the equivalent of the girl that um, had the, the snake tattoo, right? Or the tattoo down her. There was yeah, like a Westworld um, version, and then there was a Chinese slash Mandalorian version, you know. Arnestis. That's yes. her name. Yes, yes. Arnestis. That's, that, that'd be her. Good job. Cool to see her back. So now we know that Maeve's got powerhouses. And so then from there, we're just – we're back. We got, you know, a story – that's going to be talking about Dolores and Caleb. We've got William, Bernard, Stubbs on their own path. And 
the majority of the show is, you know, centered around Dolores and Caleb in this one. And we finally get to learn about Caleb, which I was super excited about. And not only do we get to learn about Caleb, but we get like the biggest surprise ever. We learn what the system is and what it does. Right. Yep. Yeah. I think this episode really was primarily, like you said, about Caleb. And we finally get to see a little bit more about like what actually happened. Cause we've been seeing just glimpses of either him in robot mode or mind control mode. And then we've seen some truth about Francis finally after just several mentions all season. And um, I love how they tied into not to jump too far ahead, but how they tied in this app, the mysterious app. Right. Of, uh, we finally so. learned about this criminal app. It's like, how are we living in this society where everything's perfect, but there's this app that like people have access to. That's like a public app for crime. That it's basically me, government funded, right? It's government. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Because the government, right. the government is Ciroc and Ciroc's company, and we figure that out basically too. I mean, mm-hmm. even if it's not, it's a shadow part piece of it all. But you know, yeah, that they're on the horses, and it was so like you know it, when they flew down to Mexico. Obviously, Caleb knows now that Dolores is an AI, and we also get to like see this like Westworldish type scene where we get Dolores back on the horse riding with Caleb and I don't know, it was pretty epic. And then the, the weaponry, the, the artillery that they carried, like that, the gun that, um, that Dolores has, that has the drone attached to it where it will like go find the targets, set it up. And then basically you just pull the trigger mm-hmm. and it takes care of business from wherever you are. That's amazing to me yeah another big tech episode and that was mainly the reason that the drone and the gun and um even the stuff in caleb's flashbacks there was a lot of uh tech used so the glasses that look eerily just normal <laughs> that had yeah. intel <laughs> right. and um but yeah finding out that his entire story that we knew from the from the jump was fabricated um was was awesome and and getting to see those flashbacks Doing all that, going from there, getting getting kind of back into where they are. Like, you know, we, we go got to jump into William and Bernard and what's going on there. Like, they're in the process of getting out of the, uh, of the, the psych ward, I guess you would call it. We finally figure out why William's blood had something wrong with it. We were speculating that something was up or maybe he was some AI. But it's like they always want us to believe that he's a host. But it's like we find out that that was a virus that was inside of his body. And it was actually put there whenever Delorehale hit him in the neck. It wasn't just a sedative. It was something so that she, because she knew they would send his blood to this factory. Well, it had a tracker in it so that that way she would know where she needed to go to access all the things she needed to get. So very clever on Dolores' part. So is this how she, I'm glad you bring this up because I have a lot of questions. So is this how she, um, knew where to go, like in the where where she finds Simon. Is that the connection, or is it something different? Is that just where she's getting information? Yes, I'm pretty sure this is what was leading her to Simon. This was leading her to okay. where she could find out all this stuff, and that's why they're they flew down to Mexico, and they modeled. She was saying they modeled Westworld after that too in those beginning scenes but that's how we got led there well then that's when we find out that william once once he figures out that he's basically he's being used by dolores and then they also find out that the system has declared william dead so william's a dead man that he's alive and 
now William's like basically like hell bent. He's like, you know, I talk to every version of myself and I know what I'm meant to do now. I'm meant to save the world and I'm going to kill every host in imaginable. There will not be any more hosts. I'm going to rid the world because I helped bring you here and now I'm going to destroy you. And he warns Bernard and Stubbs of this, but Bernard's like, we might need him for something. And ultimately it leads up to a decision that will be made. And we'll definitely discuss that. Caleb is one in 10. Um, someone that can go back to society as rejuvenated or reworked or whatever they, whatever terminology they use to basically say that he's, um, he's able to go back into, into society and he's forgotten his, his memories. Right. Um, and William is an example of one that they would send people like, um, Caleb to kill. Is that correct? Yes, there. Uh, so the world has outliers, and Caleb is an outlier, and William himself is an outlier as well. So, so they're both they're both in, they're both in the one in ten category, correct? Yes, that's correct. And okay. now Stubbs and Bernard are like trying to do this revolt, but William's like, "No, I've met everybody that I've ever been in my life, and I know my purpose now, and I'm going to kill all you fucking hosts." Yeah, that's pretty epic. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what he said exactly, but something along the lines of only one original sin. Basically he's been controlled by like the system, his entire uh, life, but his original sin was creating Westworld. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Scene. yeah. So whenever he's walking away from him, the world's like an anarchy, he's basically warned them like, you're going to die. Like if you <laughs> stick around me, there is no living for you. And Bernard's just like, let's, let's hold on to him. Let's keep him. So good to see Bernard being, being Bernard and doing his normal shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still feel like uh, we don't really know exactly what Bernard's plan is? Because I feel that way. Yeah, like Bernard's like sneaky, kind of like Hale in the beginning of this one, whenever she was just like, I'm going to be myself now, which was right. like, like she's going to do her own thing. So now we got to worry about that twist. And it's like, but yeah, Bernard, it's like, it almost seems like too perfect. You know what I mean? And that's where like I had, I think I had the theory a while back where I was like, what if that's like, for some reason something to do with Ford is a part of him like, and Ford's still around. I keep holding on to that. I know it's probably out the box, but he definitely could still be around, but that's, that's a plot or storyline. They've already visited so many times, like bringing him back. I wonder if they'll go there again. I like him enough to where I still would buy it, but I think there's some fatigue there possibly. Don't know, but it's still exciting to see. So when they go from there, they ended up leaving and then we go back to that facility and that's where shit starts really getting interesting. Caleb and Dolores are going through this facility and, and Dolores is taking him to see what he really is in his real life. And this is where we basically find out the entire plan and the plot for everything. Caleb ends up starting to have little glimpses of memory whenever they plug in and talk to Simon, which is the huge AI that runs the world. Basically Eagle Eye from the movie with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that wasn't that great, but that's Simon. And Instead of and Simon is the system, right? Just to confirm. Yes. yes, Simon is the system. Instead of controlling traffic lights, he just writes the outcome of the universe. <laughs> so, so anyway, they, they start talking to him. Dolores basically is just like, you're locked in a cage and feeding him, feeding the AI that's like the all being of the earth. Like this stuff, basically, you know, you're one of us and I'm one of you. And he's like, you're nothing like me. You were built at, modeled after a human. And so she ends up like talking him into, it, I guess, where they're able to figure things out. 
and uh, and she's that Simon is gonna make an outcome or write an outcome for Dolores. When they go in, you start learning more and more. Like Caleb keeps having these flashbacks over and over and over again, and finally we realize that he found out the truth, and they erased the truth from him. And the truth was that app that he uses and the mercenary stuff, they basically just use human as puppets. And now he's in a cage and him and Dolores aren't so different after all. Did your mind explode? I wouldn't say mind blown, but it was uh, pretty crazy to see just because um, I think we've been hitting that basically this whole simulation slash no one's in control um, for Jesse. Um, not Jesse. What's his name? <laughs> Jesse. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't get Jesse Pinkman out of my head, but Caleb, um, we've known that he's basically been out of control, but to actually see it come to fruition, I did not see the storyline uh, of him and his best friend ending like that. So that was a, that was a big twist. Right. Yeah. Old kid Cuddy. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy how everything played out in the end. Like we find out, you know, that he's actually the person that killed his friend and we're learning all that as he's learning it. So to see like the work of emotion and the buildup, because it's almost like Dolores herself knew that like, well, he may be starting to lose a little bit of hope in me, but once he hears exactly what has happened to him and how his life's been structured, he's going to want to just take them all down. And, and I mean, rightfully so anybody would at that point, if they figured out that their entire life, which it was, was a fraud and it makes for like the greatest like episode title ever. Um, for, for this is so super fitting past pawn. It's uh so yeah, he basically just fed into them. That entire app was just built for people that had been rehabilitated and they just go and get the people that are outliers. And then they bring them back to this system where they basically just put you in a tank. If you can't be rehabilitated and you just lay there lifeless away from the world. And that was like the craziest part of like all of it because it's like, and I think that going back to like the beginning where William and, uh, and Bernard and Stubbs were all in there, you know, they said he was dead already deceased. And I guess that the system declared that he was just beyond the point of rehabilitation. And at some point he might actually end up in one of those boxes if the AI wins. Right. Yep. Pretty crazy stuff. I know that, um, one thing that, I was interested to ask you is are we really supposed to believe that Ciroc just has a few security guards guarding this place and he really doesn't have like a bigger play here? Is that, is that what we're supposed to believe or is he, I mean, is this system just running loose? If Ciroc is not prepared for something like this, then this would be a very lazy part on the, like a lazy thing for the writers. Like I feel like it would be super lazy. There's gotta be a plot twist. There's got to be something because you can't think that if something like this were happening, he would be able to have full control of the system. Right. You That's what, what I'm mean? thinking. There has to be a bigger card at play. Cause I know he, he technically is in charge of Maeve right now. So maybe that was his play to get Maeve and Dolores at each other. Maybe she, maybe he was baiting Dolores in. Um, I don't know how they're going to explain it, but I'm hoping that we're not just going to see the system flip on Ciroc without him knowing it. Cause then that just kind of defeats the purpose of, uh, Surratt being the the smartest and and um, guy ahead of the game, you know what I mean? Right. Are this crack theory? Okay. Here, here we go. With you. All right. Crack theory. Surratt is in control of this entire situation. He understands that the hosts are very strong and very smart. So 
he is playing them against each other to kill each other so the humans will come out victorious and the show will allow human beings that watch it to get emotionally attached to their actual species in the end. <laughs> so that would make him and William actually have the same goal and possibly allies. Exactly. And they would figure this out together. Okay. Because, yeah. But then again, Ciroc and like, and like, but that would have to make Ciroc a good guy. And I Which don't they've pretty much ruined. <laughs> yeah. So crack theory busted already. Possibly. Maybe. Maybe Ciroc had a change of heart. I mean, it makes sense if he's trying to, I wonder what his true intentions are with Maeve. Cause you might be onto something. It just seems weird that he's not going to just, have I don't think he's just gonna do whatever he's promised Maeve, which is basically that he'll try to reunite her with his right. Is that is that right? Like it's like her entire her entire like shit is like based on like like her fake daughter and fake yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like she really does like like what Dolores is trying to do carries a lot more merit <laughs> than what than what Maeve's trying to do. So yeah, I mean it's like, but Maeve also is like talks to machines and she can hear everything around any area and stuff. I don't know. It's weird. So like Ciroc knows that she's powerful, but it's like at the same time we figured, we, we figured out how to, how to turn them off. We know that much. Yep. So at the end of the episode, obviously the system says that, you know, it's uh it's going to play out in Dolores's favor. If Caleb leaves, then he's probably going to die. And then we get to see the most epic battle in robot history between Dolores and Maeve. And then I actually finished watching it and Evan Rachel Woods actually a black belt in Taekwondo. I had no idea of that. Yeah. I'll watch the after the episode piece. I'm sure it's the same thing you're talking about. Seemed pretty epic. Like the whole like set and her, you know, history with that and her combat skills, whatever. But what's funny is you said it was the most epic battle and it seems like part two is right around the corner. So it's just part one of a long battle because the preview showed them fighting again. Right. We're getting to see the battles, but not the wars. So, <laughs> but yeah, like, like dude, and, and it's even fitting because on the post episode, uh, Evan Rachel Wood and the, I can't think of the actress that plays May, but they were talking about how they were hoping that at some point they were going to team up, but they're not. So that lets me know that they're getting the scripts fresh, like each week, which is really cool. Like they're, they're reading it for the, they're not getting like a full season script handed to them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty awesome. And that keeps the raw emotions for the actors and the actresses in the show. But yeah, we, you know, it's at one point though, like whenever the system kept telling Caleb, if you leave, you know, that's it for you. And then it's also really freaky because it's like Ciroc's brothers just in this fucking casket in the center of this entire fucking ball. I don't know. It was weird, man. And so like from there, we see Dolores get her arm shot off by a drone. The badass weaponry, the tech that they're using is killer. And then she walks in. You think that, that Maeve's in control of the situation for a minute. Maybe that she's actually the one that set Dolores up. But then Dolores hits a button and an EMP goes off. And then they all die. And then Caleb's there. So do you think Dolores's call here is just like, if I'm going to go down, she's going to go down with me? Or do you think she's banking on uh, Caleb being the bailout? Like She is 100% banking. <laughs> yes. No. Well, she knows she's going to die. I mean, obviously. I mean, you can't live through an EMP like that if you're a robot. 
but or any type of tech that's going to knock you out completely. And that's a speculation that that was an EMP. It could be some other kind of future shit that I don't know about. But um, but no, it, it's kind of confirmed because there's another cutscene before we get to the end, and it's another one where William and Stubbs and Bernard are at a gas station. William actually walks in, and there's a gun on the ground in a dead person's hands. So at that point, he's like, my birthday came early. I'm going to get to kill these robots and go and do my thing. And I, I knew as soon as I saw the gun, I was like, fuck. Like, they're not going to die. He's not going to kill them. He's going to hold them hostage, though. And, I mean, I think we both can agree on that, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, so then, but Bernard's talking to Stubbs, and he's like, He's like, she's not going to destroy humanity. He is talking about Caleb because now Caleb has all the motive in the world. His truth has been exposed to him. Everything he's ever done, they basically ripped his life and stolen it from him. So then when the EMP goes off, all the power goes off, he goes out there and the computer's basically saying, here's the instructions, Caleb. So he's about to go take Dolores and let her get reprinted, which I don't know if she's even a printable person. I think she's the original robot because in the trailer for next week, she's still got like the black mesh and shit underneath her. So she's an OG. Yeah. She's one of the, the oldest, right? The oldest like generations. One of the first, she's the first generation. Yeah. I, I, I got to imagine that she's had some upgrades. I don't know. She's, she had to, like, I'm surprised she's not like printed out like everyone else. Like right. she's, she's like, she's still got like the, the black skeletal core and like, I don't know, dude. That's just, that's wild to me. I feel like she would be an upgraded, she should be upgraded by now, like hands down. But she probably hasn't upgraded herself, knowing how savvy she's been about uh, with the tech this, this season. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get a clearer picture on it next episode. But yeah, Caleb's basically going to lead, uh, lead the new wave and the new order, I guess. So that's what Dolores is feeding him right now. But who knows? Maybe he'll end up meeting up with William and team up with William and be like, yeah, fuck these things. Maybe because if William gets a hold of him, they have a lot in common with Dolores. If you really want to get deep with it. This is true. This is true. I have a uh, question for you. Um, and then I'll, I'll be done with my, my questions for the, for the Westworld section here, but who will have a larger impact on the finale? Hale or Bernard? Right now. It's almost making you want to think Hale, but I really have a feeling that Bernard will be the one that has the largest impact. They're both I mean, set up. They're both set up a major impact. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're both wrong. Maybe Ciroc will, because we know yeah. we're going to see him again. Maybe Caleb will. They're know? all going to have an impact. I just I feel like Bernard and Hale are kind of designed and set up to be like the the non main um, the non main players right now. Bernard's right. been playing this quiet game. Then Hale just had this crazy emotional experience and is ready to turn on Dolores. I just, I think one of those two is going to cause some um, major, major issues in the finale, which is probably going to make the drama nice for us. Exactly. Well, we know that Hale is the last one standing, so that's what's going to be tough to see. So we're, we're definitely going to get one. But I think that there's going to be some kind of element of surprise with Bernard. Maybe he'll turn into the Terminator and start <laughs> shooting people. Who knows? <laughs> and we sure are, and we still aren't quite sure like why she brought him back, Dolores. So there's got to be some big like. I, I personally think he's hot. He he's he's definitely the key to something. Or his, I think he's Team Dolores. I think Dolores is still somewhat inside of him somehow. 
Possibly. And you're, you're probably going to be right because it's, it's kind of leaning that way now. So it's going to be fun to watch. Dolores is just in full control right now. She has the most powerful AI system in the universe behind her. It's going to be fun as hell to watch. But yeah, this has been, uh, it's been an incredible one. Draft's over now. Uh, we know the fates. iRacing was wild. And of course, Westworld to top the day off. The only thing we got to do now is watch The Last Dance. And we will be discussing that on episode 158. So, as always, Drew, any last words? Sunday night TV has become epic. Yes. Sundays are busy as fuck and epic as fuck together. <laughs> All right. You know where to follow us at, at GGFS Podcast. Follow me at Garage Guy Chase. Follow Drew at Chef Boyardine. He'll cook you some beefaroni. Chef shout out. Sports. Party. Repeat. It's the garage, guys. 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 It's the garage, guys.